It's amazing how God used this small congregation of just 200 people to radically change foster care and adoption in their county, to have more families waiting for kids than kids waiting for families. That is a fantastic story. Stories like that, well, they inspire us, right? They inspire us to, to do things way bigger than, than we think we can. They inspire us to take on huge things. Even inspire us to help change the world. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you two stories. One of those stories being my own and my family and the other story. And my prayer is that God would use these stories to inspire us this morning and empower us to make a difference in the world. Can I start, though, by just saying thank you? <laughs> it is such a get to preach on this day in this place. Not only because God has given me a heart for this topic and given my family a heart for this topic, but because it is such a privilege just story. And so this morning, before we get into God's word, um, and I share these stories, would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for doing in this world. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you that you speak, that you've given us your word God, this morning, I pray that you would speak loudly, that we would hear your voice through all the other voices, and that yours would stick. God, would you be present to us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So as I look back on my own story and how God gave my wife and I a heart for kids from hard places, I have to go back. I have to go back about 15, almost 16 years ago. And it was at the very beginning of Janae and I's marriage. We were in our very first year of marriage. Um, I was a youth pastor in Long Beach, California. And it was there that a foster and adoptive family was a part of our youth group. And John and Terry just absolutely love these people and their heart took in two boys and adopted them. And they, these two boys were in our youth group. And John and Terry really wanted to partner with me, staff, to, to disciple their boys well. And so they would come to us and, and, and they would share with Janae and I the, the struggles that they were having at home. And they would share with us the, the stories of, of what these two had gone through when they were just little, experiencing things like homelessness and hunger and being alone for, for days at a time. And it was so humbling to have them come and, and share these stories with us and, and ask for it. I mean, we didn't have answers. And it was so humbling to, to not understand what these boys had experienced and, and the trauma that they had gone through and to try to come alongside them, grow and mature, and even to heal a little bit. And it was also during this time that John and Terry then took in a third child, 
a middle school girl, and this girl was considered unadoptable social workers in the system. This girl had been in and out of foster homes, in and out of group homes, in and out of treatment facilities with the highest level of staff. In John and Terry's home and our youth group. <laughs> and in her first month with us, she actually bit Janae's leg. And we we're like, wait, what is going on right now? And it wasn't in anger wasn't able to process everything in the chaos of the room with all of these other middle schoolers. And so we had conversation after conversation after conversation with John and Terry about how to, how to care for this girl, work with this girl, and, and all of the trauma that she had experienced, some extreme trauma, and how to, to point this girl towards Jesus and, and help her heal. Now, again, we didn't have all we could do is partner in prayer and, and with, with the advice that, that they had, John and Terry. Um, and so we did the best that we could with these three kiddos in our youth group. And then eventually, those that they would foster and adopt. And John and Terry would, um, or John and Terry have now adopted seven kids through the foster care system. And it was through these experiences with John and Terry and their, and their, and their kids that, that God grew a heart in Janae and I for kids from hard places. And it was through these things that we were like, okay, God, how else can we be involved? We knew that we weren't quite ready to foster and adopt, especially as we experienced the life of these three kiddos but we knew that we wanted to be involved in something more. And so we started to look into things and, and eventually we saw an organization that was asking for chaplains to go into these group homes that had higher level treatment foster kids to go in there and, and have relationships with them and, and, and pray with them and teach them the Bible. Yeah, we could do that. And so... We went through the process and, and they assigned us to a boys group home with 12 to 18 year old boys. And little did we know, we had no idea ourselves into. Uh, this home had very high level kids in it. The, the highest level that they remain in treatment foster care before they are institutionalized. And the home that they assigned us to had never had a to it. And when we met with the, the house parent, the director of the house, she didn't even think we would last a day. And this was a very strong mama bear type woman who was absolutely loved her boys. And so she gave us a shot. And so we tried to go every week. It probably turned in about three times a month. Um, and we went consistently for four years. We had the opportunity to share our lives with these boys, to share the gospel with these boys, teach them scripture, even have them memorizing scripture to all of the house staff's amazement. And again, it was through these experiences that God continued to grow our for kids from hard places. And through this home, we 
we not only went to their house, but, but then we started going out with them as well. And we went to Halloween parties and carnivals with them. We went uh, and did together. And after several years of, of working with these boys, um, we eventually got to even invite them into our home for a fancy Christmas dinner. And these boys, well, they lives. We love these boys. One boy in particular, we were at an event, a Super Bowl party of all things with them. And we're sitting there eating chili dogs. And he leans over to me and he says, Adam, will you adopt me? tell you what, that hit hard because I love that boy. Hey, there's no way that I had the skills and the ability to bring him home as my own. We also had the incredible opportunity to and to work with AIDS orphans in Africa and Uganda through an organization called Ugandan Lambs. And it was through these ministry experiences that, that God just grabbed a hold of our lives. And, and we knew, <laughs> we knew God's heart for the fatherless because we saw it. We experienced it firsthand. So after many, a lot of prayer, Janae and I became licensed foster parents. And in 2011, two boys were placed in our home. While Janae was pregnant with our daughter Grace, and then before our daughter Grace was born, they called us and said, we need you to take in another boy, the biological brother of the two boys you already have. So if you didn't catch all the crazy details right there, here's the basics. We went from no kids to four kids. A four-year-old, a three-year-old, and two newborns. Let me just say for the record, I highly recommend not taking in or having four kids all at once. A crazy first two years of being parents. Um, but as hard as it was, God brought us through all of it, and he continued to show us time and time again his heart for kids. And time and time again, he provided for us. And eventually, we would adopt one more of our boy's siblings, um, a, our precious little year old girl, Hope. And here's a picture of our family just to see all of us. So there we are with all five of our kids I'm still overwhelmed, but God is good, and he continues to show us his heart. Story, but what about the more important story, God's story? What does it have to say about kids from hard places? Is the topic of children from hard places important in the biblical story? If it is, what does it teach us and show us about God, or what does it teach us and show us about how we should live? Well, the Bible does have quite a bit to say about caring for kids from hard places. And for context, and speaks about these children is it speaks about them as fatherless. 
And the reason it uses this term is because kids without dads were some of the most vulnerable people in the patriarchal society of the biblical. They're frequently mentioned alongside widows, and that's because these are the children of widows. But the term fatherless in the Bible is also used with children that have no parents. They were so easy to exploit and, and take advantage of because they had no legal standing. They had no parents or no father to stand up for them. And so they were often of. And, and actually, this doesn't seem much different from our time, does it? Where it's all too easy for children without parents to be taken advantage of, to be exploited, to even be trafficked. And it's too often that kids in foster care or kids who are orphaned around the world to be used and abused by those with power and then to just be hidden away and forgotten about by society, whether they're in orphanages or foster homes. But back to the Bible. The Bible actually has 43 different verses that talk about the fatherless or the orphaned. And they're found in 13 different books. Now, unfortunately, we don't have time to dig into every single one of those passages and look at every single one of those books. But they, they can be kind of put together in certain themes. And we can do a quick flyover and just touch these verses to highlight the biblical story, to get a picture of the whole story. To start, there are several passages about not mistreating and not oppressing the fatherless because God cares for them. Like this one from the book of Exodus chapter 22, where God is instructing his people with covenant codes or laws about how they are to live, how they're to live rightly as God's people. Exodus chapter, if you'd turn there with me, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, um, and we'll be looking at chapter two. And if uh, if you don't have a Bible or an app, we'll also put it on the screen as well. Exodus chapter, starting in verse 22. It says this. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, hear their cry and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. Ouch, right? Like, uh, yeah, he's beating around the bush here. He goes straight at it. He's very clear. Don't mistreat or oppress the fatherless or the widow, or else God will judge you, and his wrath will burn against you positive passages in the Bible as well about caring for the fatherless and caring for the fatherless with things like food, um, food from your own harvest. Let's look at Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible, so just a couple books over. Deuteronomy chapter 24, and this one spells out how to care for the fatherless with the leftovers of your harvest. And speak it out several times, he gives it, in order to make sure that 
we recognize that it applies really to all of us. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 19 through 22. It says, When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. These are instructions by God for God's people to act in care for the fatherless because God provides for the fatherless because God provided for his people in abundance that then they would have something to pass on. You see, God's people are blessed to be a blessing. God gives them more than enough so that then they have something to pass on. God's people are blessed to be a blessing. And there are passages that talk directly also about who God is and God's character. Like Psalm 68. The book of Psalms is right in the middle of our Bibles. And in Psalm 68, we get a picture of God's character. of who. Psalm 68, starting in verse 5. It says this, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God's habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. God is father, and he is specifically father, and he is protector of the widows. This is who God is. He goes so far as father to take those without homes, without families, the solitary, and he places in families, in homes. Sounds a lot like foster care and adoption, right? Because it is. And so through these verses that we just looked at, we, we get these, these themes of God's provision and who God is, we see and learn something about who God is. We learn that God cares about the marginalized, about the vulnerable, about the oppressed, and specifically, he, he cares about children without parents. He cares about the fatherless. God loves these children, and he calls his people to care and love the same way in which he loves and cares for them. God is their father. And God is our father and calls us to care for them. God is our father. We have been adopted into God's family. And we've been into God's family through Jesus. John chapter one makes this extremely clear. He says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, 
but of God. In and through faith and trust in Jesus, we are adopted into God's family. We become children of God. From spirit and separated from God to fully-fledged members of the household of God. The story of the Bible is the story of mankind running away from God, becoming in the world, God pursuing people over and over and over again, loving and caring and pursuing, even to the point of making a way back through adoption, through faith and trust in Jesus, that those who are far off might be brought near through faith and trust in Jesus and adopted to be the children of God. So is there a word here from God for you and for me? Is there something that God might ask of of us in hearing God's story through this lens of the fatherless? I mean, obviously, I think the answer is yes. That's why I'm standing up here preaching. Time and time again, I think God makes it clear that he blesses us, that we might be a blessing. That he's placed us. He's adopted us. He cares for us. He loves us so that we might love and care. He's adopted us. And who are the greatest advocates for foster care It's those who have been fostered and adopted. Those who have experienced it are the greatest advocates. Now, at first thought, you might think, well, I mean, I don't have any experience of foster care and adoption. But hold on. If you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you do. You have experienced it. You have been adopted into God's family. spiritually orphaned from your heavenly father and alone in the world have been brought near becoming a child of God and as God's adopted child he in his footsteps to do what he does to love as he loves to serve as he loves and adopt as he adopts and the Bible doesn't just hint at this words, it speaks pretty directly about this reality as well. God speaks clearly in the book of James. James is near the back of your Bibles. It's after the book of Hebrew, Hebrews, 1st and 2nd Peter, and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in James chapter 1, God gets straight to the point. James 1, 27. It says this, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, unstained from the world. Now let's just take a minute to look at this to make sure that we understand it, to make sure that it's clear. It says religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, here. Religion, well, 
Religion is our life and our worship of God, our life with God and our worship of God. And by pure and undefiled, he means holy and right. He's saying, if you want to have your life with God, your your worship of God seen as holy and right, as pure and undefiled, it looks something like this. It looks like taking care of and widows in their affliction and distress. It looks like keeping yourself unstained or uninfluenced by the ways of the world. Now, this isn't meant to to be an exhaustive statement of God or a worship of God. I think James is trying to make a point here to say it's more than just knowing God. It's more than just knowing God's word. It's more than just knowing God's love. It's responding to it. It's living out of it. It's obeying it. It's loving as he loves. It's caring as he cares. And specifically for the fatherless and the widow. Now, let me just acknowledge the elephant in the room because oftentimes these kinds of statements come across as things that make people feel shame. (laughs) And that's not the point here. Not the point that you have to adopt a child to be obedient to this text. But we are all called to be involved in some way. Let me put it another way. Not everyone is called to adopt a child or child. Some in here will be, and they need to respond to that call of God, and we're willing to come alongside you. So not everyone is called to foster and adopt, but everyone can play a part, and everyone. You see, Janae and I, we could have never adopted our three boys and our little girl without the support and the prayer of our church family. We were not able to handle four kids in six months by ourselves. But, but with the prayers of Rebecca, the meals by Robert and Shun with the support and care of Miss Janie, who even did our laundry. (laughs) And the weekly support of our small group and our church family. Do it. You see, it takes more than a village to care for the fatherless. It takes a church family. Let me say that again. It takes more than a village to care for the fatherless. It takes a church family, and everyone, everyone can play a part. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your story. That's clear that you are a father to the fatherless, that you care, that you care deeply. And God, that you loved us enough to bring us into your family. And God, I pray that everyone in here, including myself, God, would have our hearts grown for the fatherless. God, that you would put opportunities in front of us 
to care and love in the same way that you care and love. And God, that we would remember our own adoption in you. God, would you empower your people by your story and with your to do incredible things for your kingdom. And may you be honored and glorified in all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God is moving through this series, visit nebc.ch slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media or by subscribing to our weekly podcast. You can also stay up to date with the latest information about what's going on here at Northeast by subscribing to the Northeast News, our periodic newsletter that comes right to your inbox to keep you in the know. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope that you join us as we continue to make disciples on mission for Jesus Christ.